This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Good afternoon. That's right, folks. It's, uh, we've gone over the yard arm here on this phone station. Mm. It is the afternoon. Matt Stedman's here. Hello, Cameron Smith. You're here too. I am. And uh, what a great thing it is to be on... What we're going to say is a little bit of a strange day out oh, there. Oh, it's a bit crazy, isn't it? So it's a bit windy. My hay fever symptoms are playing up. Yes. Uh, there's no sun. Spring it's, is here, says Matt. And it's possible. Damn it. And they're saying maybe a chance of a thunderstorm a bit later on. So um, good day to be inside, I reckon. I think so. Um, grab the family close. Yes, grab the, grab the animals. Yeah, don't take small dogs to the park. They might blow away. <laughs> Either that or maybe on a double leash. But at least uh, it is getting a little warmer. So um, it's starting to feel a bit more like spring, isn't it? Yeah, less mm. blankets on my bed uh, ah. last couple of nights. Blanket disposed. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, it's, it is too <laughs> warm. Uh, we must thank the scientists. Thank you very, very much for your yes. eruditions. Yes. And uh, all the shows in the morning time. Yes. We saw Tim was there. And uh, we've just been looking at our brand new baby here in the studio. We don't often talk about um, back of house issues, no. shall we say? But we've got a new computer to do our audio. It's very cool. Yeah, and it's got a great name. It's called Bowie. 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 It's a new system. We used to have a system called Novation, which yes. uh, many, many years ago replaced uh, the analog system that we had, which was we would play carts, which sort of, well, most people wouldn't know what an eight-track no. cartridge looks like. It's like an old tape machine thing. Yeah, an old tape machine thing, and we had things like bulk, bulk erasers. Yes. They were very heavy. Did you ever lift a bulk eraser? No, but I think Wait a ton. Nick Tripp got one of those. He might have one of those at home. Yeah, right. um, but we've moved on from that, and we now have this... Well, we've got a new um, computer screen, which is kind of nice. We're very excited about this, aren't we? Well, yeah. That's why we're sharing all this with you, dear listener. But, well, um, it, I guess, no. What it does is to say that it, this station is constantly evolving. Yes. Constantly growing, and... It is through the support of listeners like you good selves. I was going to say that. So this is this is where your subscription money yeah, goes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and this is a part of um, keeping us modern, yes. current. Mm. Uh, and uh, and I guess what we're, we're sort of saying, there's a little bit of a subtext to this, that if you, uh, <laughs> if you hear any announcers swearing, yeah. JVG. <laughs> I have heard a few gaps on here this week. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. We're going to see how JVG handles the new system. So let's, if you do hear anyone swearing at um, at the desk... Maybe let's just wait until we get through our hour before we start closing. Yeah, we probably could. Yeah, we could, we could just completely crash this and burn it. You never know. But if you do hear that, you can just go... Oh. <laughs> hey, speaking of subscriptions, yes, uh, there's still time if you haven't subscribed to the 2019 Radiothon. Um, you've got until next Wednesday, not this Wednesday. 25th. Yes, and you go on the running for all the prizes, keep the station on air and give us more computer systems like Bowie. Yeah, we'll just keep the uh, – we've got to keep up with the Joneses, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, so, yes, it is, uh, it's food time now. We'll move away from uh, uh, on-air meandering From Cam's tech talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming up well, next There's a dichotomy Camera views the iPhone 11 <laughs> How about those cameras, huh? <laughs> Nothing to see here Just um, yeah, keep the pockets No, on our show I'm being flippant we Thank you yes. um, Waiting in the green room We yes. have the uh, the redoubtable Danny Vallant mm. Who um, is, uh, is coming in And she wants to ask a question mm. The question is 
Why don't we invite people around for dinner anymore? Mm. I mean, just as a general thing. I, mm. I remember there was a time when I was a child mm. and sometimes I would wake up on a Saturday morning and the house would be silent. Mm. And I would move through the house and like an archaeologist, yes. I would see these ruins. <laughs> the ruins on the table. Yes. And I would see, usually um, mum had mum and dad had this mortar and pestle, which I've inherited, this beautiful white marble one, mm. full of cigarette butts. <laughs> it was, I don't think it was hardly ever used as a uh, culinary thing. Just, a, just it, an ashtray. It was just the ash trough. Um, and and there would be there would be glasses, some with red wine in them. Yep, the port had come out. You could see, and then strewn on the floor mm-hmm. were records. Oh, nice! Which used to always get me a little bit annoyed because I I was one of these people that you know you got to look after your look records. after the records. Yeah, yeah, and they precious. just they just get in themselves into they'd have fun at their dinner parties, <laughs> and I don't know. I had visions of them just chucking them over their heads. You know. Yep. There it was, hot August night, just lying there. <laughs> I'm, vis- I'm picturing like a women's weekly cookbook or two in the kitchen as well. Um, no. No? No women's weekly. I no. don't think so. Um, no, mum was more LaRousse uh, oh, than, right, than yes. women's weekly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, it was such a big thing, the mm. dinner party. Mm. And um, it seems to have tailed off. And Danny um, is going to come in and motivate yep. us mm-hmm. and tell us why we should have more dinner parties, I think that's pretty self-evident, um, but ways to achieve it. And I've got some ideas about easy, easy dinner parties and some principles. Mm-hmm. And then also she's got something, um, the Signature Series. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for that one. We go to market and we have a chat to John. Yes. Uh, John there, had a little brief bit of sunshine with him. Um, and we'll check to see what's coming in, what's going out at the QVM. Yep. And then we have Martin Lynch, who has been on before. He represents Teeling Whiskey. Mm. So that's whiskey with an EY. And that yeah. tells us one of two things. It either comes from America mm. or it comes from Ireland. Yes. Because the Scots uh, have dropped the E. I think the Japanese too. I'm not quite sure. And Australia too, I think. Most, yeah. most whiskeys in Australia don't have the E. Don't have the E. But um, uh, Martin's uh, going to be... Um, well, he'll be a little bit proud because mm. uh, they have just won the best malt whiskey of the year in the world. Yes. Um, and that's according to a very prestigious London award. So we're going to find out a little bit about that. Yes. Uh, and we might even be able to have a little chat to someone who is from Ireland mm. as to what the looming possible chaos oh of course which yes. might be happening around about the 31st of october yes halloween uh, yes yeah it means for the rest of the world and how he sees it um as someone be, it, from it Ireland. Get, it's getting pretty real isn't it because what it's half past september now so you've only got six weeks it is getting so real isn't and it? if you're an importer or an exporter you have no idea what no is going to happen certainty mm. uh-uh. none what are markets like Certainty. Yes. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens then. Gosh, it's 10 minutes past already. We've taken way too much time. Um, Matt, I'll let you do what you need to do. I'm going to go to the green room and grab Danny. Sounds good, and we'll uh, play some sponsorship announcements whilst you do that. Yeah, let's get the dinner party started. Mm. 
Twelve, twelve. Oh, that's got a nice ring to it. Mm. And someone's got a nice ring to herself and what she does. Danny Valant, it's wonderful to see you. Thank you for uh, coming in today. So good to be here, Cam. Yeah, really. It's been a while, actually. It has. I think this might even be the first time this year. I think it is. Lucky we snuck it in. I tell you what. And uh, just in time because you've got a little bit of a call to arms and maybe... Well, first of all, what was the genesis of an article that's going to appear very, very shortly? Yeah, so I think that we are not having people over to our houses to eat as much as we used to. This so is the thesis. The, the, the call to arms is hashtag come for dinner. Yes. And I've got a story coming out in The Age on Tuesday along these lines, which is just chatting to people about what the blocks are to having other people over to eat. Why aren't we doing it as much as we used to? And how can we actually get back on the host horse? Because dinner parties were everywhere. I mean, it was just part of the society and life that you would have. And it didn't mean that you were Italian or anything like that, but... It was just what you did. It was just like, yeah, come come over, sure, we'll have something to eat, we'll throw some food on the table. And when I say dinner, you know, I think it doesn't have to be dinner. It could be brunch, it could be afternoon tea, it could be, mm. you know, it could be croissants and coffee at 11. So it doesn't have to be a fancy production, but I think, you know... People are less inclined to invite people into their homes. And so there were all Why? kinds of reasons that people people um, shared with me. One of the main ones was that people just didn't feel confident about their cooking. And I think there's this, you know, we've talked about the MasterChef effect in a positive sense in the way mm. that it got us all, you know, shopping and cooking and buying ingredients that we were unfamiliar with. But I think there's a flip side to that where we, cooking suddenly seemed like this performative, competitive Where's uh, situation. Where's my bush? Well, exactly. <laughs> yes. And if you feel like, you know, the standard has been raised to something that's very unachievable and that you're not really putting food on the table unless you're raising a sweat and feeling panicked, then are you really going to do it? Well, this is one thing where I would say the great thing about having a dinner party is really about the conviviality of the people around you. And for, for myself, it's just about making it as easy as possible. Well, that's it, Cam. I mean, I think once you allow yourself to keep it simple and make it easy, then you're much more inclined to do it. And, yeah, I think, yeah. And being able to prepare ahead, I think, is the best thing. If you can get a dish together, and maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit, um, but then you can just throw in the oven, like in a pot, and then you can just bring it to the table. Dinner parties are a breeze. That's yeah. I think you've hit you've hit it on the head. So that's definitely one way to keep it simple. Is, mm. that is none of this plating up. So we're just putting you, food on the table, and you people don't, you can don't help want themselves. to be doing sort of individual pan-fried flounders for everyone, do you? No, no. Um, uh, you know, unless it's Flounder Friday, and that's just what you've been practicing all week. <laughs> flounder but, Friday. <laughs> I can see the sting already. I spoke to veteran dinner party host Rita Ehrlich, so you know, renowned food writer, and um, yeah, just a great Melbourne identity. And that's sort of what she said: is like, keep it simple, just cook one thing. You can bookend it with antipasto that it's perfectly acceptable to purchase some olives, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps you know, put some cherry. Tomatoes and some boccaccini on the table, and people can help themselves, and, and that does bring uh, along that conviviality that you talked about. Some crudities, crudities, mate. Make it crude. <laughs> make it crude. And then your dessert could be simple as seasonal fruit, some cheese, sure, bake a cake, and as you said, like that's another thing you can do ahead. So mm. keep it simple. So okay, so we've just gone quickly to the solution, but again. You were sort of starting off by saying, why don't people have dinner parties anymore? Yeah, so... As what are these Im impinging qualities? Apart from the uh, this pressure that people put on themselves with the food, One. a lot of people have got issues with their homes. They feel like it's not... Um, yeah, their homes 
aren't a fit place to invite their family and friends. So sometimes mm. that's uh, you have to you know, clear the, the dining room table. I can't see the dining room table because of all the stuff that's on it. Maybe. Well, that definitely happens to me. So my strategy for that is that you've just got a crate and you just scoop and stash everything. So scoop it in, just you know, sweep it in with the yeah. elbow. And it just goes somewhere behind a door to be dealt with later, possibly yeah, that, some months later. I used to use that. It's like, <laughs> don't open the cupboard. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> everything will just, just fall out. What about cost of food and and, yeah, and lack of wages that uh, co- wages have gone up over the past? Yeah, so cost is definitely something that people point to. And I think there are definitely strategies with using, perhaps if you are doing those oven braises, it's using cheap cuts of meat that feed a, feed a crowd without um, you know uh, uh, ruining the bank account. Mm. Um, but I think it is also that performative aspect of cooking where you might think you're going to make just you know chicken marylands or something but then suddenly you see the lamb backstrap and you think oh that'll be a little bit fancy <laughs> unfortunately it's 45 dollars a kilo yeah, so dude. things can add up really quickly uh so some people get around that with potluck so people bringing a bringing a dish so if someone offers to bring something like why not say yes you, yeah, don't, you don't need to be a hero yeah so then that's certainly a way of sharing the cost a really fantastic phenomenon that i came across is this facebook group called supper clubs which that's- is sounded really interesting. Yeah, so started by some uni students and they love food. They're watching Chef's Table. They love the idea of, you know, contemporary dining, but they find restaurants a little bit inaccessible. Yes. So they've created this Facebook group um, where turn by turn people put on a dinner party and the costs are split at the end. So in the end, the the, the host pays nothing and Mm. the guests pick up the tab. And it works out to be, I think you said about 25 bucks a head? 25 bucks a head. And for that, they're doing pretty fancy menus. So if you, you know, yeah, some you know, fermented beetroot and some vegetable carpaccio and just very much chef-inspired dishes. But when you, um, yeah, split the cost, it doesn't work out too badly. And I like the idea of how um, you were sort of alluding to this, that there's themes. So, yeah, as I said, this this week we're going to do fermentation. Right. Or mushrooms. Yeah. Or something like that. And that works really, really well. Yeah, they did one theme which was, I think, foraged and found. So it was, you know, stuff that was dumpster-dived or found um, foraged by the railway line. So yes. I think with something like that, I think the cost even goes down further. Oh, that sounds kind of kind of good. Um, did your parents have lots of dinner parties? Do yeah. You, do you have sort of similar recollections to what I do? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you know, every weekend, but I definitely remember a few occasions like sort of crouching at the top of the stairs, feeling like I wasn't allowed to come down and hearing raucous laughter and, do you know, gee, my parents don't normally sound like that. Yeah, what's, wow, going, what's on? going on? Yeah. So, yes, I definitely remember that. And, um, yeah, I'm, I think, you know, my mum wasn't or isn't much of a one for, you know, primping and fancying up, but I do remember, you know, there'd be a bit of perfume, there'd be a bit of lippy. So mm. definitely that sense of occasion and and just this idea that people were having fun. And I think that's, you know, one thing we want to ask, like what is actually the point of having people over? And you touched on it earlier, it's that conviviality, it's those deep conversations, it's the fact that I love restaurants, don't get me wrong. I write about mm. restaurants all the time. Hey. I'm a big fan. But I think there is something about the relaxed atmosphere at home. You know, if you've got kids, they can, you know, roam around or fall asleep on the couch, whatever it might be. So there can be that relaxed depth of engagement. That and the I bar think, doesn't shut either. <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> that's, that's, very good point. That's, that's kind of a, a nice one. Yeah. So there are lots of really lovely things about balancing our eating out lives with our eating at home life. Have you got any go-to dishes that you can discuss so far as dinner parties? Oh, look, I had a curry night the other night and just to make sure that everyone knows it wasn't fancy, we didn't have enough chairs, so I had to share a chair with my daughter. Oh, I thought maybe you might bring one of those crates that had all the stuff in it that maybe someone well, had to sit on. Well, could have resorted to that if someone else had shown up, but it's uh, so it was a bit... 
you know, it was a little bit chaotic and crazy and people were coming and going and, you know, the, the dog was barking and, and whatever, but uh, it was actually such a nice night. So I think curries are great because you can make them the day before. They're only better the next day. True. Um, you know, big big bowl of rice, some papadums in the microwave, and it's really not that hard. Mm. I think it probably took me a couple of hours to um, to throw it all together and curry's not that expensive either. Can I give a couple of things that I reckon are my go-tos? Oh, I'd love you to. Mussels. Beautiful. Bloody hell, mussels. What, the cheapest protein around? Yes. Really great for you. Every time I cook mussels, I think to myself, God, these are good. I should do more of them. Okay, so dig this. Red mussels. So um, onion in a pot, right? Do that. Throw garlic in. Throw chili in. Throw the mussels in. You don't even need the red wine uh, or wine. And then you just put um, lots of parsley or coriander, depending on yes. how you're going, because you can either go sort of like in a Mexican way oh, or yum. an Italian way. Yep. Garlic bread in the oven, mm-hmm. a big bowl of salad that you've made, sit around. That's easy. What time are we doing this, Cam? Uh, yeah, I can't. <laughs> you know, and you can get really, really sea bounty mussels from the supermarket. Oh, okay, yeah, and they're so inexpensive, such good value. 20 bucks will feed about uh, five or six people, I reckon. And I reckon whenever you bring mussels to the table, don't, isn't there always a big, ooh? Yeah, well, it's a tada dish, you know, because yeah. you have the thing closed, Yeah. bring the pot to the table, open it up, and just this smell envelops you, and it is great. Baked pasta is another one I reckon is a really, really yeah, you know, like lasagna. Or oh like yeah, that. and one of the great um, convenience foods that I've seen, which I reckon is amazing, is when you get crab meat. Ah oh, yes, you can get blue swimmer crab meat. Someone's done the hard work. Someone's done all that hard work. And Matt and I were just talking. You were, had a thing where you had a crab pasta. Yeah, yesterday we went to uh, had lunch at Bellotta and, yeah, the crab pasta was amazing. Yeah, well, you can Delicious. just warm up the crab meat with some herbs and whatever. Yes. And then just move the pasta through there. Salad, you're done. Yeah. And I think, you know, you've found, you've lit on something that is really nice where you've got this one sort of luxury ingredient that makes it um, seem very special. Like yes. Like you've really, you know, you've gone to town. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but it wasn't hard to put together. Yes. So your friends feel special, you feel happy, and you're having a good chat. Yeah. So, well, I guess so. the thing is don't be frightened. Um, get people around. Get them to contribute, I think, is um, don't be afraid to ask for people to contribute. Yes, and give them direction. So yes. don't just be, oh, just bring whatever. Like give them direction. Have a think about what you want to see on that table. Okay. Um, now, you've got um, a thing happening, the Signature Series. Signature Dish Series. Signature I, Dish Series. Yeah, I've been working on this for a while. It's a new event series that I've just launched, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a monthly series in a great restaurant. We are going to Such get, as? Uh, so, I'm launching with Voudemont on October <laughs> 8. Yes. Oh. I'll just throw down my pen. Okay. And the next one, I'm following up with Maha on November 12. And these are Tuesday afternoon sessions, three till five. We are in the restaurant when the restaurant is closed, just you and nine other people. We are standing in the kitchen with the chef asking all the questions, getting all the access and all the insights. So you get to see the inside of Udemont's kitchens? Yes, you do. You get to spend two hours with amazing chef Hugh Allen there. He's just a delight. And he's going, the Udemont one, he's going to make a marron curry with wattle seed damper. And we're going to see it from start to finish. We're (laughs) going to... Learn the recipe, take home the recipe, have some beautiful wine and some beautiful food. Yeah. And go home with a lot of insight into how great restaurants work with a great recipe and um, all the tips and tricks that we need to cook it. It's going to be so good. I had to be one of these people that has to ask the value of everything. And I feel almost sullied in doing it, Danny. Quanto? 
$325. But the, I, what do they get? Do they, they get to take a marin home? Uh, they get to stand there and eat the marin and, you know, watch the marin and love the marin. Love and the marin. It's, it, it's Pat not, the marin. Ow! The Maha one's 295 But oh, honestly, I absolutely stand behind the value because it's, yes. it's small it's group. It's unprecedented access. You are not going to be able to do this any other time. It is unique, exclusive. And people always say things are unique and exclusive, but this actually is. No, this is it's unique a total, and exclusive. It's a total one-off. How do they get to it? As Matt gives us the wind-up. Uh, just go to dannyvalent.com and uh, just scroll down. You'll find the Voodamond event and you can click through around there or check it out via my Instagram. When are you having your next dinner party? Uh, I'm having a grand final barbecue. Oh. So th- you, that's usually when the barbecue gets scraped off and the cockroaches <laughs> evicted. And, um, or yeah. fried. Yes. <laughs> you better run. That's it. So Harry, we got to get out of here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think I'm going to do some brisket tacos. That's been a bit of my staple over the last few months. Okay, sounds pretty good. Slow-cooked brisket and, um, yeah, and some stuff on the barbecue and some yummy salads. Lots of good salads and yeah. stuff like that. Well, um, I think it's a great thing. And uh, look out for the um, – that's going to be in The Age on Tuesday, that article. Yeah, come for dinner. Yeah, and you can find out about the um, the sex dungeons. <laughs> that's a yeah. – Okay, we'll just leave that hanging there, shall we? <laughs> yeah, well, that was uh, – I, I, no, let me explain. That was one of the reasons. <laughs> you were saying in one instance – actually, maybe you didn't say whether it was just one. That was one of the reasons they couldn't uh, invite people over because they might stumble upon the – Yeah, the sex dungeon. So yeah. perhaps it's perhaps it's six cats putting hair everywhere or a barking dog or a sweary parrot, and in one instance it was the sex dungeon. <laughs> the sweary parrot. That's a real one. Yeah, is it? Yes. He's so inappropriate. Sid, <laughs> stop it. Danny, always a delight. We'll need to get you on sooner than we have, so please come back soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Some music, Cameron. Yes. We're not going to play all this, but we're going to play some of it. Oh, yeah. It just seemed like it was sort of the the day for this. Yeah. This is Sly and the Family Stone, a song you might know, but this version has been slowed down. So slow down and enjoy your Sunday. And we'll be back with John. All right, folks, so we're here at the market. And, um, and I've got to say, actually, uh, John's made me a little bit nervous because one of the first things he said is, what did you say? Can I put you on the spot? Yeah, you did. <laughs> what's going on? All right, we'll do it straight away. Oh, my God. Okay, what's... Oh, okay, he's going to go, well, what? Okay, I've got a box, fresh produce... Um, there's a whole bunch of spuds in here. What, is, what am I supposed to say? What variety they are? Yeah, describe the colour for me because oh, they're magnificent. Well, it's, your, it's your classic red potato. Um, some are a little bit lighter than others. But um, beautiful, blemish-free, they're beautiful potatoes. Uh, they're yeah. quite small. They're about the size uh, of a very, very a small egg, most of them. It's what yes. we would call, I would call these, uh, for just a description for people listening, a red chat. That's right. They're a Desiree chat. And when I saw these, I just had to buy them because they just look so vibrant. And I know you've said this to me before. What, what do they do? It calls they to call you. me and they're, they're calling saying, eat John. me, make a potato yeah. salad. Take me, put me on the truck. Yes, a potato so, salad, how good would that be? So we, we may even um, get silly and parboil them and then throw them in the oven. Yes. And, um, you know, they're a, a little bit crisper than a chip and still yeah. maybe a little bit soft on the inside yeah and serving beside some beautiful steak or a chicken what would you put in there uh as little as possible as i usually say mm. maybe a little bit of parsley um 
Salt, pepper. Um, I don't know, but that's about it. Because I, I like to keep my potatoes simple. I'm going different. Tell me. For some reason, I'm thinking um, an oily um, rosemary. Yeah. Oil. Yeah, that salt. I can live with. And then what I'm going to do is uh, 20 minutes before they're ready. I'm just going to throw in a whole bunch of garlic in there and oh, cook the garlic through oh. so that it all crisps up. And there you go. Yes, Boom. yes, yes. I thought you were going to put too many weeds in, but that's Oh, no. Good. I don't want to get in trouble. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're definitely... And, and these you can cook with a skin on. I, I'm not enamored of eating potatoes with skin on, but... These ones are okay. These yeah, ones great. are okay because... Um, uh, of the potato and the soil are growing in, they're not full of chemicals. The white ones take a, a lot of water and a lot of chemicals to wash from what I've been told. Oh, you just so, don't buy those white potatoes. Yeah, That's and just... they go green really quick. Oh. They, these have got a better uh, and shelf it, life. even worse, you know when they go, not so they go green, when they just get... Mushy. Mushy and then it's smelly. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? You, you get a really one potato? Thing, there's only one oh. thing that smells worse than a rotten potato. I, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the mind boggles, and I no. don't want to go no, there. Because you, you haven't had a young baby in your life. Oh, yet. okay, yeah, okay. So right. maybe one day you'll experience. And that. John was screaming one time, and it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. you're not wrong, mate. Yeah, okay, broad beans. And, then, and then we'll move on to these beautiful, <laughs> bright green, long, broad beans. Now, they're my length of hand, which is nine inches in the old scale. You know that. Yes, I do know that. <laughs> and they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine beans inside. Yes. Now, last year we started at 20 a kilo. Mm -hmm. This year we started at about 12. So that's a bonus. It's a lot of money for some people, but... No, a handful. This week they're down to $8. Next week I reckon 6 mm. And maybe we'll run about five or six through the season because... If you want a nice, clean, good, young, broad bean, you've got to expect to pay that sort of money because it's not just a matter of throwing a bean in the ground and walking away. You know, you get a little bit of wind and they fall down. And They're you get... amazingly susceptible to wind, aren't they? They are, yes. Like My grandfather evolution might have taken care of that. Yeah. No, well, some things yeah. you can't fix. Sorry, your grandfather? My, my, my father-in-law, should I say, Ooh. used to grow bamboo, especially for that reason because he used to tie them up with a bamboo stick. Clever. Very clever. Except when the bamboo took over. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was on top of it. Really? Yeah, he was only a little fellow, but he was on. He had a big garden in um, Northcote there, 200 by 70 foot wide block, and it was covered in veggies. Not imagine. good for me, but anyway, it was. Yes, imagine what that's worth yeah. now. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, I could tell you stories, but yeah. I won't. Okay. Um, so the broad beans are good. One, they put nitrates back into the soil, so we give back as well. Yes, it's those nodes in the roots. That's right. Yeah. So. Two, they are very good for you as well, and they are very, very tasty. Now, I say to people, they don't look pretty, but they're a beautiful bean. You open them up, Cameron and my mum's second peel them. i got to stick Not it to all you, the mate. Time. Yeah. She's one lousy double peel. All right. It's like Ma that joke, one lousy yeah, goat. Yeah, that's goat. right. Now, a lot of people do double peel them, yes. but I don't bother because I'm a mountain goat. I love broad beans. It doesn't matter how old they are or how grey they go when you cook them. You make your favourite dish with that. I do. Um, I Thanks just to say, you. You take them out of the skin, yeah. wash them. You start frying a white salad onion in a bit of olive oil. You put them out of the water. That water that's on them is enough to steam them mm. very, very slow. And when they're nearly cooked, you put just a drop of salt. And that's it. Nothing else. No mint? No. 
No. Please. I just doing this no. to be provocative. You're giving me a hard time. It's Sunday. It's just so easy to push your buttons. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so but broad beans, they're, they're great. Why are they good for you? Um, well, they've got full good of vitamin. high in iron, they're high in fibre. And then also, if you're not double skinning, you get that fibre that gets to go through you and it's good. But I love chewing hard broad beans. Um, yeah. And in the olden days, before they had snacks like chips and twisties and all that stuff. Oh, I think I know you're talking about. They used to get the dried broad beans and they'd come split in half and you get the hot fry pan and you fry them in hot olive oil. And Mm. the same with the chechi, you know, the um, chickpeas. Yes. And that was your snack. What would you call Chechi. Chechi. Yes. Um, Now, when they were playing cards... It's better than the Americans with their garbanzos. Chechi. Yeah, okay, that's good. So when they were playing cards, that was their snack. Yeah. And, and, and it's amazing how you forget, because we tried it again not long ago with the fried broad beans. A beautiful snack. Yeah. And, and if you put a lot of salt, you need a lot of beer or something else. Yeah, well, it makes it's good. It makes you, it encourages you to, and, um, to have a drink. Yeah, and a lot of people throw them through a pasta <coughs> or in a soup or, you know, there are so many things you can do them. I like them very plain on their own. Mm. Um, I'll even eat them cold, I don't mind. And when they're coming off the plant, my uncle used to go in a garden in the morning with a loaf of bread and pick the fresh broad beans and eat bread and broad beans. And he was set for the day, you know. He'd have um, an early dinner about four o'clock, five o'clock, because he'd had a big breakfast, no lunch. And he lived a long life too. Well, that's what they say. What's that saying? Eat breakfast like a king? And then so it goes, lunch like a a duke and then... And, and and eat less. Um, okay, I'll go uh, just to provoke you because I've been been doing it in this this interview. One of the good times to uh, to do the double skin. One of my favourite things is if you get really lovely, say lamb cutlets, oh. and you can have double peeled broad yes. beans, and Look, you just work. sort of fry them a little bit, and but then a little bit of whole butter at the end just oh. to glaze them out. Salt, pepper, maybe a bit of chervil. Mm. The presentation and the flavour is exceptional. And one, of, one of, and one of the most beautiful greens in God's creation. And Definitely. That's coming so, from you know, atheist. I can't <laughs> always be right. So there you go. Well, it's all different opinions. Um, so what's happening with fruit at the moment? Are we, we're getting towards the end of mandarins and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but and there's the... six or seven varieties out there. <laughs> There's, there's a lot of mandarins now, yeah, aren't there? There's some baby ones out there which I thought would be, you know, just... Um, they're the harder varieties like an imperial and um, you break them open and they're full of juice. Some have got no seed, some have got a lot of seed. Mm. Um, there's still the old varieties out there. There's some of those knobbly ones, there's some the sumos ugly. and different names that they've got. So, you know, it's a feast out there with citrus at the moment. Yeah, it is. And the tangible, you know, there's the hybrids that sort of uh, with the the mandarin grapefruit thing there's, yes, there's all sorts of flavors sort of profiles and there's so many things you can do with them too not just eat them raw you know you mm. you can juice them you can make cakes with them and mm. other desserts so that's the beauty of it and of course it's a great way for people to get their natural vitamin c definitely and as some of us need it at the moment my voice is a little bit croaky because um mm. i've had a bit of a cough all week and i thought i'd gotten over it but today i feel croaky again oh uh, well then i'll tell you what maybe you should do pick of the market all right, pick of the market. Mm, let's see. My asparagus, I've got a little bunch here. These are seconds have got broken tips. Mm. My firsts flew away. They, they were pristine. Nothing wrong with these ones. They don't look pretty, but they'll eat really, really well. They're tender. Go good and omelette. 
Yeah, very good an omelette, even steamed lightly. Uh, these got 300 grams in a bunch for 450. I sold the better ones for $20 a kilo. That's um, sounds like a lot of money, but it's not really when you when you get a, a whole lot in a bunch and there's no waste at all on them. Um, it's not expensive, so even if you just steam up a few, um, they're beautiful. You brought out a radicchio. Uh, this a pick? beautiful radicchio is definitely a pick. Uh, I've been enjoying it in my salad every week, but I was talking to the old bugger that um, grows them and he said to me he makes a risotto because he's a northerner. Um, they use a lot of spring onions and leek. They sweat that down and then put the um, radicchio in it and then the rice and the stock and make the beautiful risotto with it. He reckons it comes up that beautiful magenta colour. Um, and when you serve it on a plate, it looks a million dollars. So, and also, that's good for you as well. I've seen a recipe where you get the trevizo, uh, trevizo, which is sort of yes, like a longish one. Radicchio looks like, looking a little bit like cos, cut in half, grilled hard on flame. Oh, brr, oh, brr. That works. And that then works. Um, risotto with lots of red wine, right? And and then the um, and then the the charred trevizo and it's the same thing magenta um, incredible and the texture and the um, uh, eye appeal is very good as well mm. it's it's a dish that looks pretty and eats really well yeah uh, tomatoes even though it's been cold we've been running with the Murray Bridge tomatoes uh, we've got heirlooms from Adelaide as well uh, we're waiting for the new season heirlooms like black russians and the yellow yeah. ones coming soon yep uh we've got magic cherry tomatoes on the truss uh they've been running away they've been 12 dollars a kilo when you think of it it's about the same price as the rubbish they put in the um boxes so why would you buy the boxes anymore buy the cherry truss always good to blister in the oven too and serve next to something beautiful not, not my favorite done in the oven i like them raw um i found that the acid level's a bit much for me but, um, I find that if you put it in the oven, it brings out the sweetness a bit. Mm. I'm getting old, and I eat oh. tomatoes every day, so, oh. yeah. Hey, what am I arguing with you for? <laughs> All right, um, last pick. Last pick, peas and beans. We yeah. sold that a piece because there weren't many at $10 a kilo. Uh, Hand-picked beans, 12 a kilo. There's a lot of machine picked for 5 and 6 bucks. so make your choice. Zucchini, dime a dozen. We've been having zucchini uh, pancakes, which are good. Maybe not good for the cholesterol, but the flavour was good. Yep. Uh, like I always say, get out there and have a look around. The capsicums are everywhere, eggplant everywhere. Pick the eyes out of the market, go home and cook up a storm. Thanks, John. You're most welcome. I hope you're feeling better too. Oh, uh, we'll be right. See ya. Hey, look up my glass over there. Oh, sorry, Jimmy. Drink, what sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? Make it a double. Yeah. Right, somebody got to sing. Somebody got to sing. Somebody Let's drink. Cheers. Cheers. You're looking very relaxed at the moment. I'm a happy boy. Because um, Martin's decided to come back and uh, you've just heard the thinking drinking theme. And we're doing it all very responsibly because that's the way we kind of roll, unless we're at a dinner party and it's three in the morning and we're still <laughs> around. But we're not at that stage, I'm very, very happy to say. Uh, Martin Lynch from Teeling Whiskey, welcome back to the microphones of 3 RFM. It's good to be back. Um, Closer. Come to that microphone, my friend. Right up close. How's wow, that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's nice. We've got to hear those, the beautiful tones. How are you? Good, good. Um, it's been a few months. I was here on International Irish Whiskey Day back in March, um, 
but yeah, so a few months. That's how you sold it all those months ago. <laughs> hey, Cam, you don't know me, but uh, I reckon I should come on because yeah, this will work. Yeah, and, and now, it was a delight. Yeah, now I'm I'm back with some more news. We've had some some big news since then. So we've had some really? exciting stuff. What happened? Uh, we won a, a little award called World's Best Single Malt at the World Whiskies Awards in oh, London. Oh, so humble brag, humble brag. <laughs> yes. Um, first, first Irish whiskey distillery to win world's best single malt. So it's been it's been huge, really exciting. Wow! Uh, and uh, and this makes the job of someone like you so much easier because you can put that award after the whiskies and um, well, it's the halo effect, isn't it? So where was this competition? In London. So every year in March, the World Whiskies Awards happen in London, and there's an international panel of judges, uh, several rounds of wow. blind taste testing, and our 24-year-old single malt came out on top. What a gig. Like, imagine yeah. going to that. Are any of the general public allowed to sort of brands stick, uh, stick their noses in it yeah unfortunately not if you're a judge or a brand it's a big ceremony it's a dinner um wow. and yeah we were we were absolutely over the moon to, Did, to win the big one uh were you just informed by a phone call or of email or something well, were you there were you lucky enough to be there i wasn't there personally jack teeling was there so our distilleries owned by two brothers jack and stephen teeling um and interesting characters as you were describing yes y- young young guys uh very much the next generation of the irish whiskey industry revival um doing things a little bit differently but uh yeah jack so was shake, shaking up the dynasty shall we say Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's been um, a bit of a monopoly for decades on Irish whiskey. There was only really two big brands. There was Bushmills and Jemison. Exactly, mm. yeah. And they were actually owned Bushmills by... Bushmills was the oldest one, isn't it? The old one yeah. up in the north of the country and Jemison down south. And they were owned by the same company. Um, so there wasn't much variety. I'd forgotten that. Yep, yeah. Isn't so that amazing, the north? Because we know about the troubles. Yep. And just the irony that the two major whiskies are owned by the same people. Yeah, well, wow. what, what happened when uh, Irish whiskey declined, um, basically the last few distilleries joined together to stay alive. So mm. we went from being the biggest producer in the world all throughout the 1800s. Irish whiskey was huge. We had over 100 distilleries. Um, but by 1970, we'd fallen to just two distilleries, and that was the two the big left. Ones. Exactly. Mm. Um, so it wasn't until yep. the 1980s you had the John Teeling Distillery, and then in 2012, his two sons set up Teeling Whiskey, which is what we're tasting today. And then, of course, uh, there's always been a, um, a great, uh, how we say, tradition of uh, poutine. Absolutely. Of, so. uh, which is Irish moonshine, if you like. It's uh, the stuff. Or, look, just about every society has it. I mean, the Italians have grappa. Grappa, yeah. And this is the stuff that you just distill and there's no time for the wood. Exactly. It's straight from the, the still into the glass, basically. Yeah, it's and, higher alcohol. And hope you don't go blind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, but tealing whiskey, of course, is nothing like that. Um, Matt and I were sort of ruminating over a little bit of a thing, and it's about the spelling. Why is it with the Irish that they've kept the E or added the E or haven't dropped the E? Or Is there a, an answer? There is an answer, yeah. So when Irish whiskey was the biggest in the world, um, you basically had 
a lot of Scottish whiskey, try and other whiskeys from the world trying to sort of almost impersonate Irish whiskey. Um, so the Irish distillers imitation, got highest form of flattery. E- yes. e- exactly. So they got together and said, "We'll put an E in the spelling of whiskey, and Irish whiskey will stand out." So pretty simplistic. Gee, I would have been around at that board meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it's that's just great, a, Seamus. Let's go to lunch. <laughs> it's just a visual thing, but um, yeah. really, when it comes to Irish whiskey, it's about the taste that's different. We've got a um, with Teeling, we triple distill. We distill our whiskey triple three distill, times. and you don't use peat. We don't generally use which, peat, which is the, the one of the reasons that you get the smoky taste in the Scottish product. Exactly, yeah. So, so Scottish whiskey, yeah, tends to be a bit of a heavier style. They mm. double distill. Irish whiskey tends to be more mellow, and we triple distill. Just like that. the Irish themselves. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, very mellow, very chilled out. Until you rile them up. <laughs> and then it's like a hornet's nest. Yeah. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, now, you've brought in a few. Now, one we've just tasted that uh, is the stout. Yeah, so that's the and, stout cast. And there's side. one that um, that goes all the way back to the old country but uses something from the new world, and, and specifically Jim Barry Shiraz barrels. Yeah, so... This is an exciting collaboration. Um, the first Irish who, who whiskey. Made, who came to who? Um, yeah, it's a good. It's yeah, a bit of who a, asked who to dance first? <laughs> funny story. Hi, I uh, saw you there. Yeah, these these this really good Aussie winery called Jim Barry from South Australia. We share the same distributor as uh. those guys up in Hong Kong and China, and was. Three years ago, I was up there and our distributor took us out on a junk boat in Hong Kong Harbour. Um, and we were having drinks and there was uh, just one of our whiskey there. And, and so there was there was products from all the distributors on the boat and then some was going out. And I bumped into this Aussie guy called Sam Barry. I started tasting his wine and we got chatting and he had some of my whiskey and we were, so I was saying geez well, you know what, what do you do with your barrels when you finish with them this right. wine's really good we'd love to get them and it sort of developed from there mm-hmm. so uh, fast forward three years later last month we released uh, our Jim Barry 17 year old single malt so it spends its last year aging in Jim Barry's Armagh Shiraz cast so there's beautiful red fruit red berries Armagh, that's a good one exactly that's a yeah. real up there one definitely so it's their vintage release and, and being called Armagh it was actually named after their Armagh vineyard which is named after County Armagh in Ireland so there's all these synergies oh, oh ticking the boxes <laughs> have another drink how good does the harbour look yeah, and so that was from a direct discussion on the junk. Exactly. Yeah. Serendipity. Yeah. Okay. How do you like that, man? We finally made it happen. Um, so yeah, it's it's been, it's got an amazing response since we launched this. It's really different. It's unlike any whiskey that um, that we've released before. Um, that Aussie Shiraz influence comes in beautifully with some That's nice peach and stone fruit. Big, beautiful aroma. What do you think, man? Well, he's got his mouthful. He's considering it. Um, wow. But, so it's, mm, uh, yeah, it's, for, was, it, it's 46% percent that, alcohol, that so it's got a bit, a bit of spice in there as well. It's non-chill filtered. There's some nice mouthfeel. It'll wrap around your tongue. Yeah, it hangs in the mouth. It's got a beautiful warmth to it. What percentage is that? So that's 46. 46. 46, yeah, which is our signature at Teeling um, because we don't chill filter our whiskey, so it means we can, uh, we can basically um, have a little bit more fatty acids and esters, essentially mm. flavor and mouthfeel in the whiskey. Wow. So, um, Teeling Whiskey, it's been around for quite a while, we could say. Uh, but 
it's certainly having a, a renaissance now. It's interesting that you're using those woods. I think the first people using that was um, across the North Sea uh, with Macallan. Yeah. Using, I think they first started with the sherry barrels. Yep. Which was a, a just a really, really brilliant thing. And it gave a great um, uh, choice that you could, if you got freaked out by huge, malty, smoky, bastard malts, you could have something that was gentle and yep. and fabulous. And it's it's good to see you take that. Definitely. So with the sort of gold standard in uh, in whiskey generally tends to be bourbon and sherry casks. And we do use bourbon and sherry bit in maturing our whiskey. Bit of Saturn is sort of ch- well, creeping in. Well, S- Saturn, not so much because there's not that much Saturn drank in the world. So it's hard to get the barrels. It sort of has to be produced. It'd be, um, be nice to get some Ikem barrels, wouldn't it? Now, that'd look good <laughs> on a label. I mean, it's also, when you think about the Jim Barry, I mean, it's also, it's... Comparative to saying a Penfold's Grange, I mean, it's sort of up there, isn't it? You know, Grange whiskey along those. Uh, I mean, no one's yeah, done that yet. It's definitely a uh, probably a bit more of a celebratory whiskey. It's not a not a, maybe an everyday whiskey because you you're getting up into seventeen year old single malt and using Jim Barry Diarmah um, barrels, which there's a bit of a cost behind it. So yeah, those things don't grow on trees, you know. They, they don't. They don't. So um, the whiskey retails for two hundred dollars. So it's it's uh, it's pretty good value for a tasty whiskey, but it's it's you know it's not. Um, our entry level in the range would be our small batch, which would be $60. Matt put it quite well that if you're going to be having a dinner party, you don't want your guests to be hanging around too long if you start bringing that <laughs> stuff out. Have a little out. try of it, but then please go home. Okay, hey, that's <laughs> Yeah, I, I like to keep these uh, these sort of uh, rarer whiskies for really good friends. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, t- it tends to be, yeah, you'd be careful you're who gonna be you want to share them with. You're going to be before this stuff comes out. Hey, Martin, um, I just would be interested in in asking you, and we had a quick chat about this yesterday uh, on the phone, in that um, the UK is heading towards um, a calamitous situation. and Pretty much an unknown situation would probably be a better way of putting it. And one of the great losers or the ones who are really in peril is the... um, is is Ireland and the prospect of a hard border that might happen with the vote on the thirty first, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, it, it just what seems. Are your thoughts? <laughs> what's 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 the word on the street, and how is this affecting the company and and getting stuff out? Yeah, it seems to be um, ever changing every day. Um, nobody wants to go to the bad old days of a border, um, but in terms of affecting us with our whiskey, um, there's actually a lot of probably a lot of benefits for us if um if if scottish whiskey have harder access into other markets and there's no deal maybe it's an opportunity for irish whiskey mm. um i have to say the british market isn't huge for us um as you were saying they're not really interested in in irish whiskey as much because they get everything from the north most of it comes t- from yeah to a degree yeah to a degree so um our Big markets for Irish whiskey would be the Ireland. We drink lots of our own whiskey. Funny that. Yep. Uh, the US is huge. And then on the continent in Europe, France, Germany, Russia, and then down this way in the Asia-Pacific region, it's Australia. So, um, yeah, to be honest, it's it's not going to drastically affect us too much. And if anything, there'll probably be some benefits there. Mm, and what about um, putting in orders and guaranteeing that stuff can come out and whether stuff is going to be held up? We're, we're telling all our distributors order more now which uh, will hopefully be good for my, my sales figures this year yeah. telling all our far away Australian well, distributors order stock up now get the whiskey and we don't know what's going to happen we've, ha- we've had a bit of a spike we've got about uh, two and a half minutes left 
Um, you're handing me another glass, which is fantastic. What are we having here? This is the single malt. So, so yeah, we've this been. This is the winner. We've been building up to the single malt. Oh, we Jesus, started with the Southcast, then oh, we tasted the. I did indeed. Open it for you, Cam. Oh yep. my God, Matt, he's <laughs> opened it for us. Um, so started with the, the Southcast, moved into the Jim Barry single malt, the 17 year old, and now we've moved to world's best single malt, the 24 year old. This is a amazing whiskey. Um, it's finished for the last three years in French Saturn dessert wine we actually in sort of wood in wood exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, well previously you contained. found some of those barrels that you were we did about. indeed yeah. yeah they're hard to get your hands on but um they put a beautiful flavor there's beautiful toffee caramel peach it's smoking smooth we actually use a tiny bit of peated malt so uh it's i suppose that part of our philosophy in teeling is paying tradition to the past or tribute to the tradition but also doing things a bit differently so we use a tiny bit of peated malt so there's just a little hint of smoke in with the whiskey I've just gone from speechless. That's <laughs> it's just on the nose. It's far more complex. Oh, it's but it's, it's so smooth. Well, that's it's not often that I get to. You're lost for words. It doesn't happen often. That is so smooth. Yeah, that is so special. It's it's definitely one to be sipped and sort of savoured for a while. You'll pick up on different elements in the whiskey. Oh my god. So there are a few, I know you were asking me, Matt, um, beforehand, is there still bottles available? Mm. There are a few. Um, there's a few bottles out there you can get. It's about $600 for a bottle, so a bit more aspirational for uh, many. But if you feel like treating yourself, yeah. Um, why not? Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely um, it's, it's, it's great bang for your book in terms of the liquid is beautiful. And it's... Yeah, great to know that it's a, it's a winner. Wow. Uh, Martin, it's uh, lovely to see you again. Good luck with the orders. Good luck with what happens with uh, the country after October 31st. We're all watching and wondering. Yeah, maybe I'll come back after Brexit and, and see see if I'm still in the job or what's happened. See, see what's how those going orders on. are going. Yeah, see how the orders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good excuse. Maybe St. Patrick's Day in March. Hopefully it'll all be finished and settled by then and we'll, oh, we'll be clearer. You, maybe before then. But, uh, maybe next time we talk about uh, there's no way that I want to mix anything with this, this whiskey, but uh, there seems to be a rise in uh, making cocktails out of the darker spirits, which it's is huge. a kind of interesting thing. Absolutely. It's one o'clock. It's time to go, Matt, and thank you very, very much. Pleasure being on. Thanks, Cam. Matt, there's Thanks, still Matt. a couple of sips of this. We oh, don't no, have to continue. It's, it's, it's safe in your hand at this point, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, no I, it will come out of my, my hand. It's okay. Um, and still here. Still ready here to go. up next. And uh, Scott Pickett next week, you were saying, Cameron. I did. Excellent. So tune in. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week. Bye. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. This has been a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.